0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host. And uh, here we are an hour later than originally planned. But here we are nine o'clock. Uh, everybody stayed awake, I hope to, to join in here. Um, let's see, I want to take care of Austin Custom Brass. I got to mention them, of course, they are generous sponsors, both of last month and this month. And this month, what a lineup this is going to be. We've got of course, Raquel slash Rachel, and we'll get to that story in just a second tonight. Jen Marotta next week, Sarah Stoneback the third week, James Morrison the fourth week, and Chris Coletti the last week of June. What a lineup. And of course, Trent Austin, Austin Custom Brass. Thank you so much for sponsoring. Uh, Do you know Trent?
1: I've seen him like at conferences. He's awesome. I love talking to him. Uh, He knows everything about instruments, great player, so
0: yeah and and it's like i say every week you know if you follow in on social media it's like a kid in a candy store right he'll get a new trumpet in the shop and he'll get on and you know he gets so excited about showing it off and playing it Mm -hmm. uh but of course uh, austin custom brass great business uh, excellent customer service and uh you can find out more at austin Biz, and let's see i keep showing this uh these these are my shirt designs. I don't know if you've seen these before, but this is the World Trumpet Force, the WTF. <laughs> right? Uh, okay. So I keep asking uh, this Latin, "Vintab, uh, vintilabis magis." Any idea? Blow harder. <laughs> wow. Come okay. on. I mean, seriously, for for a trumpet <laughs> motto, it doesn't that isn't that perfect for a trumpet I player's motto. They-
1: Vini vidivi,ci I think, would have been cool, to,
0: you know. <laughs> oh, well, it's not too late. It's not too late to change that. Uh, and then I've got uh, one other here. i got to show this. Uh-oh, I think I must have taken it off of there. I think it disappeared from last week. So I'll throw that up there later. So let's see. Uh, of course, these videos, these interviews come out on YouTube, and the audio will be out on the uh, audio podcast platform starting tomorrow uh on the youtube channel on facebook on the youtube channel on uh sorry the studio hfl youtube channel and the studio hfl facebook page it's too late for me i think i think i'm hitting my uh the sleepies um Get that
1: coffee
0: yeah i need coffee um <clears throat> Oh, and Patreon, if you want to support the show on Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com slash Studio HFL for as little as $3 a month, you can help support this podcast. And of course, uh, that's it. I think I took care of all the business. So we're here tonight with, and we're going to open with a story. It's either Rachel or Raquel. So welcome to Studio HFL.
1: Thank you so much. Great to be here and uh, I can tell you the story. I've told this so many times, but here we go. So, uh, Raquel is my, I guess, legal name. My mother's named me Raquel. And uh, Spanish was my first language. And when I went to kindergarten, I learned English like in a couple of months. Uh, I think everyone should learn a a second language when they're five. You just soak it in, it was not even an issue. But I was learning all these words that were, the English version, the words that were anglicized. Uh, So when, for some reason, my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Hogan, called me Rachel. And I just assumed, oh, that's how you say Raquel in in English, Rachel. So I went with it because I was kind of shy. I wasn't gonna like correct Mrs. Hogan. And by the time my my mother caught on, I was like in second grade, the name was fully ingrained. She fought it, she was not happy about it, but it kind of stuck. Um, So, To this day, I'm still my kindergarten teacher uh, changed my life, and I'm still Rachel. I've tried going by Raquel. It's just I just don't identify with that name anymore. It's just, but to honor my mother, I I want to keep it Raquel because that
0: is what she named me. So there you go. (laughs) There you go. So uh, now, uh, well, you guys, you just answered that question. You know, when you go back home, when you talk, is your mom still around? Unfortunately, no. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry. It's it's
0: okay. Um, but does anybody, what about nicknames? Do you have anything you go by other than, uh, um, than
1: Rachel? Well, it, I'm in a group Seraph Brass and we have two Rachels, me and the French horn uh, player. Um, sorry. Oh, horn, yeah. Rachel Vovickis. And, you know, it gets really confusing in rehearsals and emails and what have you. So uh, we have nicknames and I got the cooler of the nickname. I thought she's Rach. And I'm
0: Ray Ray. So. Oh, that is way cooler.
1: It is. I, I, yeah, That's I agree. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so, I mean, already I'm thinking we got so many directions to go tonight because we've got Seraph Brass. We've got um, this little music school down in Texas that you're a part of. Uh, and mm-hmm. you mentioned a recording session or a couple of recording sessions that you just did. Uh, in May. fact, why don't, yeah. Why don't why don't we start there? Um, you just okay. finished a couple of recording sessions. Tell us what that was about.
1: Okay, but I would be remiss not to not to remind you that we need to talk about Starve Indiana because that is a big thing that we share. But okay. yes, um, we'll so, head there right after this. Okay. So, what not to do? Um, have two recording sessions in a month. Sometimes we think we it's it makes sense, but. Uh, you know, as trumpet players, uh, but it, it's really too much. So I have this, uh, I'm playing a group at um, at University of North Texas, a trio, Lantana Trio, and uh, we recorded uh, our first CD where we did three commissions and just some really cool music. Um, these three commissions came, we got them in April and we recorded in May. So it was like a lot of rehearsals. We had to like really, you know, up our game on that the solo album, In my thought process was, I'll do the trio, then I have a week to recover, and I'll do my solo album. Um, yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> not really thinking about the rehearsals that had, it, had to happen. So, um, I was really happy w- with how it went. Um, the brass trio, it was a lot of playing, but luckily, um, I-, I was able to get through it. We only did it in three days. So, um, and it, you know when you play with an ensemble, it's not like a solo album where if you mess up, you know it's just it's your it's your face. No one else is affected. But in a trio, when someone has a great take and you you miss something, it's like it's it's just the worst. Um, so uh, it's a lot of pressure to record with with an ensemble. You the know, solo you, album.
0: Uh, oh, well. Sorry, I, I was just going to say, you know, I I've only played in a trio a few times, but you know when you go from a brass quintet when you actually get the horn off your face. A few times, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go down to a brass quartet. You're like, I'm playing a little bit more. But then you go to a trio, and it's like there's no time to get the horn off your face, right?
1: Oh, it's a kick in the face for sure. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but I, I really like uh, playing with my colleagues, uh, Nellie Menix uh, on trombone, and Stacy Mickens on horn, and we have a blast in the rehearsals. We meet once a week throughout the school year, and. Um, we're also hosting the International Women's Brass Conference next May of 2022.
0: I'm coming to that.
1: <clears throat> awesome. I'm okay. going to be there. That's, that's amazing. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. We'll have to meet up. But um, so it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's you know, and the music that we commissioned um, was really outstanding. It was not traditional stuff by any means. It was people of, of color. So like Jeff Scott is one that uh, he did a piece called Crossing Barriers. It's kind of like um music like from Africa or that kind of dance type stuff. Uh we had um uh Harry uh Yvette Rodriguez. She did uh this kind of like Latin piece Adagio e danza uh that was really hip. And Shanice Strickland, uh she's a young uh black composer, female composer, and she did this like jazzy, gut bucket bluesy uh type piece that that was just A lot of fun, and her last movement was called Disco, and that was probably my favorite piece. Um, They were all fantastic, but it was just—I guess my—it was the most fun for me.
0: How long (laughs) from—I want to get to the other recording session, but I really want to find out more about these commissions. How long from um, the 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 ask to them uh, delivering like the first iteration, (laughs) you know, and then were there revisions?
1: Well, um, we. Um, we got a grant, Stacey, um Mickens, the horn teacher here at North Texas. Uh, she's the one that uh, got the grant for the commissions. And um, that happened um, early, early January And when we found out. So she That's immediately, fast. yeah. It was, so it was, then she immediately got on the ball with it. And um, I think she had a relationship with Jeff Scott. She already knew him. Shanice is her, her student. And I'm not sure. I think she just found a vet Rodriguez through, um, somebody uh, a referral. So they started writing. Uh, Yvette was really quick. She started sending us stuff, copies. Uh, Shanice, I, I know one of them we had to, what was it, change the key uh, on one of them. And um, and Jeff Scott, his stuff was just like, I mean, he needed a protractor and like a calculator. It was just really crazy stuff, but it was so much fun. Um and he actually worked with us. He, he did a FaceTime with us. Um, he sent us videos about the, the type of dances that he was trying to go for in like, uh, these different countries, Uganda, um, and Brazil was one too. And uh, so it was really a collaborative effort. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, Will those
0: be published along with uh, the album?
1: Yes. Um, we want to do a recital to premiere the pieces in October. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure when the, the written scores, I mean, will be published or how that's going to work, but um, I don't have much information on that yet. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, we just recorded like two or three weeks ago, so.
0: So are you still gonna <clears throat> do some mixing or, or is that you leaving that to somebody else?
1: The editing and, uh, and the mastering this summer.
0: Okay, that's a yeah. fun process, right? Cause when you sit back and you listen, you're like, oh, dang, I could have done that better. Is it too late to go back and, right?
1: Oh, well, we did, we, we had at least two good takes of everything. So, mm-hmm. um, what, so I'm pretty confident that's going to sound great and, but you never know. So I like oh, a I'm lot sure of, it is. I like a lot of reverb. So we'll, we'll see how, what the others like, Trump players love reverb,
0: right? It's, it, it's, uh, it's humbling without it, I guess is a good way to put it. So what about this next recording project?
1: It was first my second solo album and it was uh, music from all female composers uh, with piano and then one with percussion. And um, some of the pieces were uh, Ridge Runner by Libby Larson, Trumpet Songs by Jennifer Higdon. That was really cool. The hardest piece was Concerto by Grace Williams, it's kind of obscure, but it's it's hauntingly beautiful. It's, it's I really loved it. Um, I don't know if you know Paul and Sandy Rennick. They were the percussionist. No. They, they have uh, affiliations with STAR, BLAST. Mm-hmm. Um, and this other cool piece called Frame by Cecilia McDowell. It's like seven uh, movements that have kind of, it ranges from jazz to just lyrical and um, um, kind of like baroque-ish type stuff. It's just, I think I think it's really going to be accessible to a lot of maybe college type students. And I just wanted to do something that, you know, not, not a lot of students know about female composers other than Pak Mutova, of course. So I wanted to bring a little bit more.
0: I will be honest options. and tell you that I did not know that she was a female composer until like within the last year. Oh, wow. You know, so, and I am not a, you know, I learned something new every day. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Um, so let, let's talk about the amount of time that goes into prepping for a solo album. I mean, did you did you start picking these pieces a year ago, or is this something that in March you're like, "Hey, I think I'm going to do"? Of course, I know that's not <laughs> not true there, but what's that process like? How long did it take?
1: It was a year ago. Um, it was actually delayed by the pandemic uh, a bit, but so I kind of pushed it because I was going to record at North Texas, and everything shut down. They were they didn't allow visitors on, on campus, so I couldn't have my recording engineer come up. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. Um, So around the spring, everything kind of got a little bit more, um, I guess loose is the best way to put it, just a bit more, less um, rigid. Um, But yeah, in terms of preparation, there was one piece that I switched out. uh, Because I was going to do what I did for my uh, doctoral dissertation, which was American Concerto by Ellens Willick, which is like phenomenally hard. It's just really hard piece, but recording it, you know, is different than performing it. So I thought, why not? but then reality really said it's like this is no one's gonna play it anyways, probably because it's kinda it's just kinda hard. And um the Grace Williams I already have Grace Williams, which is another hard piece. So I wanted a little bit something more lighter. So I switched out with framed. So those kind of things, you know, you start reevaluating. Because sometimes as trumpeters, like for instance, have you ever done a recital where you just over programmed because you just wanted to play the coolest, hardest stuff ever? No,
0: I've never done anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> Every recital has been like that. Of course, we're trumpet players, right?
1: That's what happened with this CD. Um, I, I was like, I want to do this piece, this really hard. So, um, but then it kind of turned into, well, maybe you know, people that maybe something that people actually play and um, be of service uh, to the discipline, to you know, to the trumpet world.
0: Uh, so, what were the pieces that were there? Pieces that you chose that were going to push different aspects of your playing, or, or do you? Like to play things that are already comfortably within your wheelhouse.
1: Actually, uh, I did. Uh, I was out of my comfort zone on this one because usually I have to play um, technical type pieces. Um, you know, if I see if I see music with a lot of black notes, I'm like, ah. Oh. If I see like a lot of white notes, whole notes, uh, that's where I, I've, you know, um, I get a little stressed. So uh, a lot, a lot of I have a lot of pieces that were lyrical. That are lyrical, like. Um, Trumpet songs by Jennifer Higdon, and I really wanted to do these because she won the Pulitzer Prize in music, a female composer, um, and um, and they're gorgeous, beautiful. But um, I think I think the slow lyrical stuff for me is way harder um, than the technical. You can't hide anything. It's it's and it's you know. So I, I had to do a lot of different type of practice, like singing, mouthpiece, and just really, you know. Instead of just, you know, a lot of reps with with the metronome, this this is a different process. So, uh, but I think I came out of it as a stronger player for sure.
0: You know, I know you really uh, learned about you as a technical player because uh, I mean, you were you weren't that far away from. Uh, I'm in Indianapolis. You were down around Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area, but you were doing all kinds of cornet solos. I think when you were in that area, right?
1: Yeah, of my course, first album. Was, was cornet solos the whole album of cornet solos
0: yeah so I mean there's a little bit of lyrical stuff in there but really that's I mean that's all technical right? yeah it's
1: I think I think it's more um I like it to do technique when it, when it has a little bit of lyrical in it as well because then it's just too overwhelming you know it, you, you want a lot of contrast it'll sound more technical if I at least have, if I have one uh, you know a moment of reprieve, where where I can play something with beautifully but a whole piece that's just lyrical, that's, you know, I don't usually pick that type of stuff in my recitals um, for whatever reason. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It it made me really reflect like, why have I been avoiding this? And I think. I.
0: But I also appreciate that. I I mean, for the most part, am I right? When it's a cornet part, you play it on cornet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love my cornet. Um, I play a lot of uh, brass bands, in a lot of brass bands. I conduct currently uh, the brass band at the University of North Texas. And it's just been in my background. You know, I'm, I'm from Texas, born and raised. And, you know, in high school, all you practice is the Allstate etudes, three etudes in the Arben book. Technique, it's all you do. So that I was, I'm a product of that. And um, then I went into drum corps, which is a diff- that got, you know not a different type of beast so, so the lyrical thing really didn't, um, it wasn't really part of my early training. So it's I've been it's so it's something that I've had to really always work on. My just real quick my my uh, in terms of my practice my routine it's all lyrical in, in my um in my warmup it's that's it it's all like sound concepts is all I work on, and for technique I just like run through etudes or something. But I I'll only work on like sound type stuff.
0: You know, uh, we call it a routine, uh, call it a warm-up. Um, I've recently, i am trying to get into the habit of calling it a sound check. I like that, yeah. Right, because right. Uh, it sounds more interactive, like I'm actually trying to pay attention to what's coming out of my horn. I'm make, checking mm-hmm. to see if my sound is there, you know, and so that's just a way for me to, to think about it. Uh, it's still a warm-up, it's still a routine, right, but it's it's my mental focus, my mental approach to that, so. Okay, Drum Corps, you opened the door a second ago. Uh, what what got you interested in that? When and where?
1: Odessa, Texas, 1990 something, 91. Um, I saw my first live Drum Corps, and Starve Indiana was there playing, you know, Pines of Room. And that's when I knew I wanted to be a band rector. I wanted to do the, the that was sealed the deal for me when I saw Drum Corps. It blew my mind, as it does many teenagers, I'm sure. Um, and I auditioned for Star the next year, 92, and um, we did this, you know, I was going to school at West Texas A&M University in the panhandle of Texas. And me and two other people, we met, we, it was like a 24-hour drive. We just switch off we for the winter camps. <laughs> and um, so uh, I went to my first camp. I got in. Um, I almost got cut because I couldn't march to save my life. But playing, Donnie let me stay in, Donnie Van Doren. Because I can oh, play.
0: Oh, oh, <laughs> Don't mention that name. I'm gonna have to call my therapist in the morning.
1: Oh, we're all that way. <laughs> yeah, right. If I see him come into a room and we're playing or something, uh, I'm I'm still like <laughs> at a, you know best sound everything. So
0: right. Um, so you did. I mean, you made it. I mean, you said you had you weren't maybe the best marcher, but you learned and you that marched that year, right?
1: I did. I did. I had in the winter camps. I had homework. I remember a, a friend was helping me. I would, I would march up and down the halls in the dorm um, because I I came from a really small Texas band program that we just didn't really march. And I would play like some solos in the march. They would just put me in the front, and I would just play solos. And I didn't really we didn't really march. So uh, and then I go to Starb Indiana after they won the world championship, and I Joy Joy Keys was like, I you know I still have nightmares probably. He was the one that forced me. The best compliment I got was at the very end of the season, he said, you didn't stick out. So I was like, yes.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, that is, that is a big compliment. That's a huge compliment. So uh, was it just the 92 season that you uh, participated?
1: No, um, I didn't age out. I didn't go back in 93. Um, and then I, I went back at ni- 95 when it turned into Brass Theater. It actually became Brass Theater in 94, but I I came back in 95 and 96, 98, and then also for Blast in 1999. So well, I was I there for the realize,
0: whole Yeah, I didn't realize you had actually been part of Blast. That's uh mm-hmm. wow. I wonder how many people can say they actually were part of each of those three entities.
1: I think three, uh Ben Harloff, me, and Wes Bullock. Oh. Oh, Frank, too. Frank Sullivan.
0: Okay. Uh, Wes and I, um, Wes, me, and another trumpet player lived together for a year uh, while we were at Butler University.
1: That's right. He went to Butler. I, I remember that.
0: And uh, I haven't talked to Wes in a while, but I I, I think the world of Wes. I do, too. He's such a great guy.
1: So imp- He impresses me so much. I mean, well,
0: so much talent. <laughs> and he works really hard. I mean, that's why he's talented. He's, he works very hard. He's, not, good he's at not aging at all. Yeah, he right. He the same. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, eternal youth. Um, so, yeah, right. You marched on the two valve G-bugles. I did. Um, and I still say there's nothing as loud and powerful as those two valve sopranos, right? I,
1: yeah, I could peel paint off the walls, like literally. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it zinged, you know, um, for sure. But I also played on the three valve deck. I did the I&E. So, wow. um, yeah, so, um, so I, I, you know, I, I did a, a carnal Venice in, in the i and back in those days, I don't know if you remember, you had to win DCM, remember that championship, and yep. <clears throat> uh, for you to even go, for, for them to let you go uh, compete at DCI, the individuals. But anyways, I, I during laundry days, I would take out this three valve deg um, that the equipment manager, what's his, I forgot his name. Um, Eric. Eric, yes, uh, Lund. Eric Lund. He let me borrow it, and uh, so it was still in the key of G, though. So hey, carbon is in the key
0: of G. Shane Connor <laughs> just piped in and said, "And Star United, right?" So you're oh, yes. a fourth a fourth iteration of that too. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Shane, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, you said Laundry Day, and all of a sudden, all these aspects of drum corps come flooding back to me. Right? It's not just the time on mm-hmm. the field. You know, those 12 minutes or whatever. There's uh finding your space on the gym floor, you know, claiming your space as fast as you can. There's trying to get hot water in the shower before mm-hmm. it runs out. Never happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's uh oh my gosh, all those little things that go along. And okay, so I was in the very first three years of Star 85, 86, 87. And that was the Disney show, the, the space show, and Circus, which okay. I enjoyed Circus, but everybody said it was like the worst show ever. It was. But I, I did enjoy it.
1: First I thought you
0: were in the Perky and Bass one, too. No, I I had aged out at that point. Okay. So, <clears throat> although I was still having nightmares. I was still, Donnie was still looking at me uh, from the <laughs> sideline. I, I, I'm serious. For several years after that, I would have nightmares uh, about that. But uh, I, I've heard Donnie has calmed down quite a bit.
1: That's um, what I hear too. But
0: yeah, you
1: know, I guess it happens.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But yeah, <laughs> so you get to wear the uh, the pink unis with the, the star.
0: Yep. Don't tell anybody, but I may <laughs> know where my jacket is. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's
1: that's really cool.
0: And I may know where my soprano is.
1: No way! Wow.
0: Um, I might. I, I might know where it How is. How did that happen? How did,
1: Eric didn't hunt you down for that.
0: I, um, I'm sorry. There's there's some uh, audio trouble here. I think we're going to have to <laughs> skip to another. Uh, and you know, I so okay, I've got students. I don't I don't know if you have this at uh, at um, North Texas, but uh, students who march drum corps.
1: I'm an advocate. College professors usually love or hate drum corps. There's not really a middle that I've seen. Um, I'm one of the one. I I advocate for it because it did so much for me. It was transformational for sure. And, you know, someone that I was, you know, shy and not a lot of confidence, I would say probably it never had left Texas. And to suddenly be touring the East Coast, being around people of all different types of backgrounds, other, you know, different than me and learning how to interact with, with this new culture. And, and, you know, in all types of situations and, and not, and also the brass pedagogy I was getting in terms of air and, and on all that slurs, I've never really done any of that. Um, it, it was huge for me. I don't think I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Star of Indiana.
0: So yeah, I've, I've come full circle on that, you know, because we were on two valve G bugles and, you know, <clears throat> pedagogy was sketchy back then. Um, but I've come, now that they're fully chromatic, right, B-flat mm-hmm. trumpets, yep. um, and the pedagogy solid. I mean, when you've got Mike Martin working with Cavaliers, and you've got, you know, all these others out there working with these cores, it's like, okay, you know, they're getting, and it's not just those guys, but I mean, Matt Harloff, you know, is solid in his but pedagogy. I mean, there's, they are <clears> great <throat> teachers out there. So now when I have a student say that they're going to go do core, my first question is, how can you afford it? Oh no. Right. But then it's, it's like, okay, that's great. You know, hope you have a great experience. <clears throat> so yeah, I advocate for it now too, but you know, when I was in star back in the day, my, my dues were $200 a season.
1: Mine were too. Cap- the shoes were included. you remember that?
0: I know I, I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> it that far, but I, I believe it, you know, unbelievable. Right.
1: Yeah. We had it, we had it really good um, because of Bill cook. Um, mm. You know, making that huge donation to star and and being a supporter, um and you know it made it possible for someone like me that was not at all rich to be able to participate in this huge thing that you know let you know showed me the path to a, a career that I don't think I would have gone on hadn't been for that, to be honest.
0: well, you know, where I am wouldn't be without having gone through star, you know, the connections. Uh, that and I mean I'm in India. I'm I'm from Kentucky. How did I end up in Indiana? It's because of Star, you know, and really? that's where I, that's where I met my first wife. You know, she was in the color guard, and I was, in, you know, I mean that's you know what do Sopranos do when we're waiting for the baritones to get marked? You know, we watch the color guard, right? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, or, or or do push ups? You know, I guess that's whatever your oh yeah. Is.
1: Yes, so, I'm still lifelong friends with, with some of those folks that I, yeah. that I march with. And um, yeah, were you part of the 2010 Alumni Corps? I think I might have asked you, but I've forgotten. No, uh, and
0: boy do I regret not being there. The, there was it, something going on that I couldn't make any of the rehearsals, and I just, I really okay. regret it.
1: Yeah, it's too bad, um, because it was a phenomenal experience mm-hmm. to see everybody.
0: But, <clears throat> I, I did make it to like the dress rehearsal. You know, I got to hear him, hear you guys. Cool. I think it was run throughout in Plainfield. But um, okay, so Drum Corps, holy cow. So this is uh, 2021, uh, coming up on almost 40 years ago for me.
1: Wow, time flies. Right, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> right. So, uh, and I'll be honest, I hope the Drum Corps activity comes back. I mean, of everything that's been devastated. Uh, I mean, that's all. These kids are experiencing that right now. Uh, it's going to
1: have to come back, or it's it's going to be in
0: big trouble. Yeah. And it,
1: they're doing a season. It's not competitive. Yeah. Um. So I, I think some some students are of mine are still marching. Yeah. Um. So, and still paying those huge, you know. I know. Three to
0: three to, th- three to
1: four to four thousand dollars.
0: So. Um. Mm-hmm. Did you just finish your first or second year at North Texas? Third year. That wasn't an option. Okay, so it was your third year. (laughs) Wow, third year. Holy cow. Well, congratulations.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been great being back home in Texas. Um, I'm an alumni, alumnus, alumna uh, of uh, University of North Texas. Uh, I got my doctorate here. So it was a bit surreal to go back. And like Eugene Corporon, Director of Bands, is now my colleague. That was, um, what an honor. Uh, And it's been a thrill, you know, I I definitely don't take it for granted. Very grateful to be here.
0: And your responsibilities there, obviously, you're teaching applied trumpet.
1: Applied trumpet. Uh, I also co-conduct the brass band uh, with David Childs, the euphonium teacher here. Um, And I teach a brass pedagogy course in the
0: spring. So the brass band, is that a British style brass band? Traditional British style brass band. So E-flat cornets the whole the peck horns all that right
1: exactly yes um, I, I love I love that activity as well uh, I love drum corps and I also love brass bands those are the you know and then I love quintet too that's another thing so um, diversity is good though and right? um, it really is yeah um, when I my first gig as a teacher a college teacher was at in Kansas uh, Washburn University I was a lecturer there and I wasn't too far from Kansas City, and that's where I started playing with this really awesome brass band, called Fountain City brass band. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're phenomenal. And I still play with them um, off and on. So, so and, and I just fell in love with it because I, as I said, I love the technical type stuff and playing cornet, a solo cornet, especially in brass band is like the hardest stuff you'll ever play uh, in an ensemble. Like it's, it's, it's such a challenge and, and so cool.
0: I've set in on a couple of rehearsals for a group here in Indianapolis, and I've seen these parts, and it's like I got somebody handed me the violin part. This is not <laughs> right, right? I mean, oh yeah, the ripiano is that right? There's a ripiano cornet that's just it, like,
1: and then there's soprano cornet. That's the I mean, that's I think the hardest instrument I've ever had to play. Yeah, um, which is you have to, you know, you have to have good chop, yeah, great chops, and be able to like take over the band, you know. Uh, on top of the band, but they also be very finesse and soft with that after playing, you know, full out. It's just a huge challenge. Um, but, you know, when it goes well, it's so rewarding.
0: <laughs> you know, so we're sitting here talking about Brass Trio, solo album, uh, Brass Band, and Seraph Brass, right? I mean, it's you are getting an awful lot of a big variety, diversity, again, of performing opportunities.
1: Yeah, I don't know how it happened. I just love doing all these things. Uh, I would call them passions. Uh, It's not, you know, I really just love doing it. Brass bands, they never pay. Those aren't paid gigs ever. Um, but, But I love the people that are in brass bands too. Sometimes it's community players and they're the most dedicated, always come super prepared with their music. You know, you can't, you know, you never start read on a gig, right? Like on a, like regional orchestra or something. You know? OK. Uh, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, but, yeah.
1: But I just, I just love the dedication of that of this community in a, in a brass band because you've like professional type players all the way down to like mm-hmm. someone that just plays for fun. That's a dentist in real life, and I just love being around that too.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, At the 20, oh, I forget the year. It was two or three years ago when ITG was in San Antonio. There was a presentation by one of the, uh, it was a cornetist from one of the brass bands. And I went to a session and he was talking about the vibrato and how they teach that vibrato, right? That is not something that we come to naturally here in the States, right? That is a very culturally uh, specific Sound. Oh, yeah, it's and, jarring,
1: jarring to our ears.
0: You know, it, I mean, it kind of reminds me of going back and listening to, you know, big bands from the 30s, 40s. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that vibrato. Of course, it's out of place now. But, uh, you know, I I've heard some American brass bands try to emulate that. They mm-hmm. get close. Right. They get close, but it's just it yeah, really they really grow up, up sound. in it. Y- yeah. You're right.
1: It, it's something that you just have to have in your ear. That concept, but I really it really helps with intonation because it's you know the pitch is kind of wavering, so it helps with that. It warms up the sound so well, I think, um, and I, I, I love having it in a brass band, the vibrato, especially on lyrical stuff. So, I was gonna say I was gonna say. Speaking of vibrato, I've recently, uh, more this year in the pandemic year, been playing with a mariachi group here in Dallas, uh, an all female mariachi ensemble that's so cool. And I'm having a blast. I'm gonna keep playing with them, I think. So, because it's um, like, sometimes I'll go to, in the rehearsals, they don't even have the music. If they have the music, it's in the wrong key. So it's kind of, a, it's very like, just do this or just do what the violin does. And it has completely, it's kind of like, I don't I don't do jazz, but it's kind of that, not, you know, you just kind of go with it. And she just say, well, just, you know, just fill in with something if, if, you know, um, so I, I just love that aspect. It's really been pushing me. It's making, playing a lot of fun. There's just, it's, and our concerts are so great. A lot of interaction with the audience too. So, uh,
0: this has been 20 years ago as I'm thinking about it, but, uh, me and, uh, a trombone player, it was two trumpets and a trombone. We were asked to play in a salsa band here in Indy, mm-hmm. the three gringos, that's how they kept calling <laughs> us. Right? So, I forget the guy's name, the leader's name. He goes, okay, rehearsal at 7, right? So guess who's there at 7? It's the three of us. And rehearsal (laughs) eventually starts at like 8.30. And, you know, it's like the second or third time I'm realizing that somebody said, okay, they're out, they're on Latin time. You know, because everybody takes their time getting there. You've got to talk. You've got to, you know, rehearsal begins when rehearsal begins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but we always, the three white guys, we always showed up <laughs> exactly when we we're supposed to, like we've been trained, you know? And so that was a cultural shock for me, uh, but I had great fun. I was awful at it, but it was so much fun because mm-hmm. we would go play these clubs and exactly like you're talking about, that's how we'd learn the music. You know, they'd start, uh, what is it, Montuno? Of course this is salsa, but you know, they would start the, the form and then they'd say, okay, just play this lick. And he'd sing it to us, and we'd, fig- <laughs> we'd figure it out. But yep. it was great fun, you know? And you learn to, to play another way, right? It's not yeah. opening <clears throat> up your etude book and putting the metronome on. It's like, hang on for dear life. Oh, um, it's,
1: it's a blast. And, and it's so, such a different experience than sitting like the back of the orchestra or on stage. There's uh, so much interaction with the, with the audience, because there's a lot of singing, primarily. Mm-hmm. And they want me, they want me to start singing. I told them I couldn't sing. And then they heard me sing happy birthday once at when we did it for somebody. It's like, oh, you can sing. We're gonna have you do a little bit of harmony with us. So um that's gonna be completely out of my comfort zone.
0: Well, just think about it like star. Just don't stick out. Right? <laughs> Good just, advice. Yeah, just sing like <laughs> sing like that. Um you know, but here's the thing is, you watch and listen to those bands, and they're, everybody's having such a great time. I mean, even if it was a little off, who's going to care?
1: No, everyone's dancing and having a great time, yeah. Right, right. Were you dancing? Because we were, I was dancing. Nope. I, I dance on stage. Okay.
0: Nope. Nope. We were, in fact, we were like,
1: <laughs> you you can't just sit still on a selfie. Oh, we you, were. You, you gotta. We were.
0: That's why they of... called us the three the three Gringos, you know, because we stood there <laughs> like uh, like we were at parade rest or something, you know, the whole time. <laughs> it was it was awful. Um, but you know, I'm older now. I, I'm maybe a little more comfortable. If I had that opportunity again, I might move a little bit more.
1: A little sachet.
0: Yeah, a little. <laughs> Um, let's talk about Seraph Brass for just a minute. You guys are finally back touring again.
1: Yeah, we're actually meeting in a week um, to do, we usually do a, like a retreat every summer to like practice our music, uh, introduce any new music we want to do, any new solo features. So it's just kind of, a you know, practice because when we go on tour, we meet the day before, run the music, rehearse it one more time after dinner, and then that's it, then we do the show. So this is our time to really kind of go into the details. So, and, and of course, Bond, which is also great to do.
0: Uh, were you part of the North Dakota tour a few weeks back?
1: No, that was Mary and Jane. I was practicing for these solo
0: albums. Oh, right, right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so what happens if everybody's available? How do they pick?
1: Jane oh, uh, and I will we'll like look at the season. Usually, we'll in normal times we would know like a year out and then kind of look at our schedule and just, it's so nice to have someone to, to you know, to, to be able to like, I can't do this because I have conflict and they can do it. Uh, Mary now does that too. So we we, have to, we do Mary's books uh, occasionally uh, cause she's very busy as well. So it's, it's just really nice to have that um, opportunity to do some of that stuff.
0: Which means you have to know two books, right?
1: That is correct. But it's not every like, well, like for her solo stuff that like queen of the night. No, we're not going to play that piece oh. for instance. So, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do her others, you know, the things that she does first, but she doesn't do first on everything anyway. So it's, it's just a, few, a few pieces anyway. So.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking back you know, <clears throat> mentioning Wes, right. Wes was the swing guy and blast, right. He would go, I think he could march or play any, any of those positions.
1: Yeah. He, 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 uh, he wasn't, um, what was it, uh, Everyone's Everyone Has the Blues. I don't think he was on that piece where we danced on chairs and stuff like that. But he did the one with the melophones where they did all those crazy
0: oh, right. movement.
1: And he did like a handstand playing mellophone. It's just ridiculous Yeah, what he did. So
0: Yeah. Um, sorry, I was just thinking back to, you know, having to uh, thinking about having to know several parts. Um, but you just explained that that's not necessarily the case. Um, what's the tour schedule look like for the rest of the year and into 22, is it is it picking up?
1: It is picking up um, and changing on a daily basis almost. <laughs> so um, we've we got, it's not as busy as uh, other years right now. Um, I have a feeling it's going to get, I mean it's only June 1st today. So I have a feeling it's, we're going to get more. A, a lot of things were canceled. I think I don't think we'll get them back. A lot of things were uh, postponed. So we're going to do some of those. Um, I think right now, at least every month, there's something. Um, and some internationals, you know, ones like maybe, I know next summer we're going to Finland. Um, we're playing at the Arkansas Bandmasters in July. Um, Gene and I are doing that one. And um, so, so, yeah. So I'm sure we'll do some talking next week about, you know, mm-hmm. how to fill in some things.
0: Do you do any orchestral playing?
1: That's that's the last time I saw you. You know I do a lot of regional orchestras. You know. Um,
0: that's right, Orchestra Kentucky. Denneville, Orchestra Kentucky. That's right. Yes. That's right.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. Here uh, there, we have a lot of regional orchestras here as well, in, in the Dallas area, um, Plano, uh, Irving. I play with them. Uh, the event da- with Dallas. Um, you know. I never got to play for Ryan Anthony. He, you know, and Fort Worth is another fine orchestra. Uh, I, sh- I think I'm gonna play with Dallas um, Opera next year, and I've been asked. We also have Dallas Winds. I unfortunately have not been able to play with them every time they any, every time they ask. I always have a seraph conflict seemed like, but I'd love to play with them at some
0: point too. Uh, can you believe we're coming up to a year of Ryan's passing? I think it was it was June of of last year.
1: Yeah really tragic. Uh, He did so much. um, and so inspirational.
0: So well, and still is, I mean, his legacy is still, uh, of course, the foundation. But uh, yeah, I think everybody, uh, well, and, and of course, ITG is going on this week. And I think there's the Mm -hmm. there's a scholarship. um,
1: It's named it's under the Ryan Anthony's solo competition now. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's cool that uh, he'll have a tremendous legacy for that. Definitely. Don't you miss going to ITG in person?
1: Well, you know, next year, it's in San Antonio. So
0: well, that's I'm just a hop, skip, and a jump from Dallas, right?
1: I mean, you have to, you have to drive through <laughs> Austin, but you can get some barbecue on the way, so yeah. that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to next year's uh, to yeah. see everybody. Um, uh, it's going to be a week after the International Women's Brass Conference, so it's going to be two two consecutive weeks of stuff.
0: Which because I'm then. thrilled about because uh, and, and I had planned on coming to IWBC this uh, past year, of course, yeah. it was going to be, you know, right before uh, ITG as well. But I really am looking forward to coming to that, you know, because I'm thinking You know, somebody told me it's not just women that show up to this brass conference, you know. No, and, it's,
1: it's men and women.
0: Yeah. And I guess it would be assuming that only guys go to ITG. Or, or only lead trumpet players go to ITG, right? I mean, it's silly to think that.
1: Both both organizations are inclusive. Yeah. Um, ITG's made such great strides with that uh, the past couple of years, I would say, um, with diversity and their initiatives. I've been really pleased with that. And uh, International Women's Brass Conference, of course, is very diverse.
0: Okay, so I, I wanna ask more about that. Tell me what, uh, and i learned a little bit about it recently because when i interviewed carol Don Reinhardt, mm. you know she spoke just a little bit about it but tell me a little bit more about the organization and what uh, what its purpose is what what would i and what would i experience at a conference
1: uh i do bc um well i'm for your students i would say have them compete because we have a a huge competition that's open to high school um, college age and then also there is there's a category category three that's there's not an age limit so anyone can compete and it's like a lot of prize money and that's a huge part of 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 this conference the other part is uh sessions and uh and it's not your typical sometimes that they're they're interesting um sessions particularly for women like one time there was a session about uh dealing with when you're pregnant, how, practicing while you're pregnant, those kind of things. And that's something I don't think I've ever seen anywhere else, ITG or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's something that um, I know a lot of women are really interested in. Um, but I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's the normal fare too with the breast pedagogy type stuff, great performances. Uh, when I first went to, to my first IWBC, what really struck me was uh, everybody's so friendly everyone, you know, you can bond, and I saw Monarch Brass and Athena Brass Band, it's all women, comprised of all women musicians, and they play, you know, they, they play fantastic, and to be in the audience and see a stage full of women making this type of music was so inspirational and emotional uh, for me, um, and I knew I wanted to be, support this organization and be part of it, so, um, but I think it's good for um, men as well, you know, we have allies and of course um the name can be misleading of course uh, you know international women's brass but it is definitely just a brass conference mm-hmm. um so we have a lot of men and, and it's really cool to be around that as well um, a lot of men are allies for women and um, they learn a lot i think we learn from them too
0: well and that's one reason i want to come to that is because i think i would get a better opportunity to meet and talk to People I might not run into at an ITG, you know. Definitely. It, yeah. So, um, oh, dag on it, it! Just uh, I had a senior Sorry. moment. I was going to ask you something about that. Um, oh, uh, where's it going to take place? You said you're hosting it, right?
1: University of North Texas, uh, next May. I think it's May 24th. Sorry, it's been a long month. My, yeah. my dates are all over. Um yeah. But it's May May of 2022, um, at University of North Texas. Come to that, and then go to San Antonio right afterwards. If you want to go to the ITG conference, not too far away.
0: That sounds great. It sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Um, so exhibits—I mean, everything you'd find at a at another conference, right? It,
1: it's like an ITG. Yeah. You, yeah. The com- the vendors are there. <clears throat> you know. You know concerts. You know we have a jazz concert too. I know Diva was there one year. So that, you know, it's just, it's just, everything's just, you know, excellent, I would say.
0: Thank you. That's, that's what I was trying to remember. I, uh, Tina Ting Helsett and her group came to Indiana a few years ago and I took my trumpet studio up. It was one of the top concerts I've ever seen in my life. And it's not a gimmick, right? I mean, it's not, Oh, they're good because it's an all-female group. It was good because they were spectacular musicians. I mean, it was brilliant playing top to bottom, mm-hmm. and so glad I got I uh, got to hear that, and so glad I got my students to experience that too.
1: Oh yeah, she makes it look so easy. Like her yes. embouchure, it's like doesn't even look like she's playing. It was-
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then I, of course I met her after the show and realized she's like four foot nothing. Right. Oh, really?
1: I've never gotten.
0: Oh, she's so it. short. Yeah. Yeah. But, and super friendly though. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking for more opportunities. I, if I try to get some students to go uh, go with me today. To, we'll make it a road trip, IWBC and right on down to uh, ITG next year.
1: Yeah. and They can do the competitions. It's open. Yeah. And it's pretty yeah. affordable. ITG can get kind of pricey, um, mm-hmm. but I D B C is really
0: affordable. Um, let's switch gears just a little, little bit. Um, you've got all these recording sessions that you've just done. You finished another year of teaching. I, I know you said you're thinking, what is it? October to come to premiere the, the album mm-hmm. or, or to a, a premiere recital. Um,
1: yeah, the three new pieces that we commissioned for the brass trio.
0: What else is on the docket? Are you, any other big plans for anything coming up?
1: I'm really looking forward to playing, uh, at Midwest with Athena Brass Band, which uh it's a, it's an all female brass band that usually plays at IWBC, so um it was postponed from last year but chicago in december is awesome you got deep sometimes it, yeah sometimes it's miserable you can't <laughs> even go outside but sometimes it's bearable and you know chicago is chicago's my yeah. favorite city yeah. the food everything so and i love all the lights christmas lights i love the whole christmas ambiance around that time
0: so, has so, Athena started rehearsing again?
1: They're doing a, uh, the Gettysburg Brass Festival in June, I think. Uh, I wasn't able to do it. I think it's coming up, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the rehearsals are usually like two or three days before, and it's like mass, just a marathon. You have to come with your, you know, in shape, or you're going to mm-hmm. be in a world of hurt. And um, so, it's, that's usually how they do it. They don't, they send the music beforehand, too. Mm-hmm. And you just show up and just put it together.
0: Right. Um, you've got some pretty nice colleagues there at uh, North Texas.
1: I'm very fortunate. Yes, they're amazing. So and do you guys busy.
0: get to interact much? Do you work together much? Master classes, performances, that sort of thing?
1: When I said the Latena Trio, it, it's, you know, they're my colleagues. So that's, we have that. Um, the brass I'm thinking records, about
0: Caleb too, right? I mean, that's the other trump. Yes. Yeah.
1: We we uh we we uh, one of the audition days. Well, the the Friday before the Saturday audition day, the brass faculty usually does a piece on a showcase type concert for students. Uh, we've done that. We didn't do it this year because everything was virtual. But we've done that. We played with Canadian Brass, the brass faculty. I think our first year um, at TMEA with the wind ensemble, um, and that was super cool. We just played it like a little fanfare at the beginning. Uh, that Caleb arranged. He's a great arranger, by the way. Phenomenal player, great colleague, but he really, uh, you know, could arrange anything. So um, so yeah, um, sometimes in our rec- I played on, you know, on our recitals, we we'll like, there's three major trumpet professors. So we usually do duets and stuff like that. I played on Caleb's first recital. Uh, John Holt, my, my, the other trumpet professor, played on my recital my first year. Um, my second recital was in March of 2020. So that was canceled and I didn't do a recital last year. So I've only done one recital. So I've definitely got to do a recital next year. And, um,
0: Do you guys, uh, juggle students? I mean, you try to get students to get experience with each person.
1: Uh, we don't, um, you know, if you have a master's student, it's only two years, for instance. So we teach all the grad students for sure. Um, sometimes if a student wants to take a lesson with, with us, we'll do like a swap. So I'll teach one of Caleb's or John's students and they'll teach one of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't add to the workload because you know, everybody's super busy, right? Um, we do a lot of coaching of trumpet ensembles or brass quintets. Um, so in terms of students though, they, we're very accessible. We all have our, our own studio class, so they could come to our studio classes as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, we don't, we've not really shared students, I, I guess. Right. So and you've got a, a
0: teaching assistant then too, right?
1: We have four teaching fellows, we call them, or TAs. Um, and they each have uh, 10 to 12 undergrad students as well. Our, we're, we're capped at 91 trumpet students. So we couldn't possibly teach them all.
0: <laughs> There's no way. Well, and so competitive, right? Which means it's such a high level. From right, the freshmen coming in.
1: I think it's a good, healthy culture. I mean, the world is competitive, so I think it's it's good to already be used to that, and be motivated and learn how to practice in a more deliberate way because of that. Um, a lot of folks will say uh, it's it's hard for undergraduates because you're not guaranteed to study with a major professor, but our teaching fellows are you know DMA students that are top notch. Um, I was a TF uh, when I was here. Um, and I think they get a great um, education. We always ask, we mentor the teaching fellows. So if they're having a student that's having issues like chop issues or something, you know, we'll, we'll take an interest and, and, you know, give them a lesson.
0: That's actually a question I was gonna ask you is, have you suffered anything along the way, you know, embouchure change, uh, some sort of thing where, you know, now you have empathy for somebody in your studio. It's like, hey, I've been through that um, or are there things where you're like, you know, I don't know if you'll answer this, or like, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to do. Um,
1: it's fair, yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not afraid to admit I don't when I don't know something. Luckily, I, I can reach out to my colleagues. Um, or I used to call Keith Johnson, my my team. When I first started teaching, he was my professor at North Texas. Um, I actually did go through an ombudsman change in my undergrad. It was too low. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I marched with that. Uh, it was too low. And, and um, so uh, I picked it up, and everything got got a little bit better. But recently, I don't know if it's just getting older. just, you know, I've been, um, particularly this past month, I did, you know, have you ever gotten the little pings, the little electric shots, little up here? Not on the, yeah. I, I, I felt one and I freaked out and took some time off a couple of days. Um, and I realized that just, you know, you have to be balanced with how you, when you practice the, the terms of make sure you put, you're resting as much as you play or resting a little bit. And sometimes we can push each other, push ourselves because we feel like we have to, but your body will let you know when you've gone too far.
0: Uh, you know, one of the things I found with that is if I switch uh, mouthpieces frequently during the day, and you know I use different things for different uh, different rep, that actually helps because you know different muscles have to work in different ways. Mm. And uh, I mean, of course, you know we're talking millimeters,
1: right?
0: Uh, we and, feel it though, but we feel it. And I've I've actually noticed that that has gone away um, when Did you when I have switch. That? Yeah. I mean, not daily, but, you know, it would happen. And you're like, uh, yeah, this is an overused thing. Yeah. Um, but I was I was uh, uh, on a big mouthpiece all the time. And so, you know, I started playing on a, a variety of equipment. And now that could be purely, uh, I, I don't know if that's the reason that it stopped, but that's what I associate with, with that. Um, you know, it, when David Hickman came out with his book, uh, however, many years ago, you know the big, compendium. Uh, yes, I mean, what a great book! Yeah, uh, you know, and sometimes that's a great go-to for man. A kid's got issues. I don't know the answer. Boom! Right? It's like it right. was Google before there was Google. <laughs> <laughs> right. We uh, have a
1: great. Com- we have a great community. Like, uh, we have a lot of the um, college professors all over. College professors. You, you know, I've got, I get calls or emails sometimes, say, and I'll do the same with them. You know, I, have you ever experienced this with a student? I think we have a great community of in trumpet that we could reach out to pe-
0: folks. I agree, uh, and you know, uh, well, I've said this on previous interviews. Uh, you know, I've had some chop problems recently, but Wayne Bergeron, um, Ben, oh, I just dropped, forgot his last name, but in Boston, <laughs> second trumpet. oh it jose, jose sabaha and no not jose not no not boston brass but boston symphony um oh ben wright yeah ben wright thank you sorry ben um uh venny dimartino oh he's uh, the best bobby shu you know and it's like this this community has been great because you reach out and they're like yeah gone through that let me tell you uh you know and even uh, peter pickett and eric murine you know those guys carl hammond you know, it's like Every, you reach out to these people. To it. Everybody helps, and but it's a
1: stigma. You don't want to talk about it,
0: right? And th- and this was something that came up. Um, I think when I was talking to B. John Watson last week, is like you don't want anybody to know because if you mm-hmm. tell people you've got problems, right? It's like oh, they won't you know, call you. I don't want to. They won't call you. Um, but uh, by the way, my chops are working great, so you feel free to anybody out there, feel free to call me anytime. Um. But yeah, you know, it is. It's a great community. And I think you see that. Uh, you said you saw it at IWBC. I see it at ITG. You know, it was, it's, uh, yeah, you've got, you know, double A, double C people out there who that's the only reason they show up is to find that on every horn, right? Uh, but then you've got everybody else who's there for the hang, for the experience, and to support. Um, but uh, um, did you think you would enjoy teaching? As much as uh, well I'm assuming you're enjoying teaching, right?
1: I love it. Um, after my first gig when I told in Kansas, um, I went on after two years, I got my doctorate and they offered me a tenure position, but I decided to go tour with a full time brass quintet. It's called Synergy Brass at the time. So So then yeah. But then I was on the road like Twenty four seven was nonstop, and I realized I didn't like living out of a suitcase. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked I had experience teaching, and I like I like having stability and a home and my stuff, you know. And so, but I love the versatility I can have with different projects, teaching college. Um, you know, I love de- uh, interacting with students. I can't believe they pay me to talk about trumpet all day. It, right. I, it's, it's just great. <laughs> And then, then, then they want me to go do stuff. They want me to write articles and, and go do performances and stuff. So, so it's for me, it's it's the best job in the world. I, I just love it because you get summers off.
0: Right, so. and I agree. <laughs> I, you know what I found is though is you got to be careful what you assign to students because that means you have to practice it and stay up <laughs> on it as well, right? So it's like I I learned, man, if I'm going to assign this a tutor this solo, I better be able to play it. Before they come back for their next lesson. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was a quick uh, learning experience for me that first time. But, um, so what about uh, I, I don't know you as a piccolo trumpet player? Is this something that you're are you a good piccolo trumpet player?
1: I like piccolo. Um, yeah. Just thinking. I know Jean, uh, Mary, and I. We want to do the um, the CBS morning news. A blossom. A blossom fanfare. Yeah. Um, but uh, I always, I dug the piccolo. I still, I still dig it. I was gonna, I always like to do a piccolo piece on recitals. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last one I was gonna do the Bach Vivaldi one. Hadn't done that before. And, you know, during Christmas I love, you know all the stuff that comes with that. And um, yeah, I, I prefer the Yamahas. Uh, I know Shoki is awesome but I just cannot get with the Cornet shank. I love the trumpet shank. I, I just, what I was, how I learned in college, so.
0: But. Are Are you associated with Yamaha?
1: I am now. Okay. <laughs> well, I, w-
0: I didn't know if that was like a, a a shameless plug for Yamaha. So you are a Yamaha. It tr-
1: turned into that, yeah. Yes, it. Yeah. Yes, I am. And but I do love their horns. I think they've got the best flugels as well. I mean, that's my opinion. But I I think it, yeah. I'm right Ap- on that.
0: After Shires, <laughs> I would agree. Yes. But you know, here's the thing: is There's so much great equipment these days, right? Remember, it used to be just Bach, it used to be just Shilkey, it used Mm -hmm. to be just Yamaha Getson. And now it's like, man, I mean, you really, it's hard to go wrong with just about anything.
1: But it's really nice when you have something that makes it, Trump is already hard enough, something that can just, you know, not add to that.
0: Right? (laughs) That can help you with some things, yeah. what about natural trumpet? Is that something uh, you or even North Texas? Is there any anything oh, yeah. there for North natural trumpet?
1: We actually have a big baroque trumpet. Um, I guess uh, we have uh, Adam Gordon who teaches. He's a lecturer and he teaches all the baroque trumpet lessons. And we have a baroque trumpet ensemble. Um, and I actually took tr- baroque trumpet lessons when I was at North Texas, and it's something that I went in. You know, a cocky DMA student like I'm a play Baroque trumpet. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure it'll be, you know, not too bad. That was horrible. I, I it was really difficult for me to, to stick, to stick with it. I had to really practice. <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks uh, at all.
0: Um, Brass for Beginners has this really great plastic sea mm-hmm. trumpet, natural trumpet. And I've got, uh, UND had four of them. And so oh. I had my students play these. And I tell you, it, it brings the modern trumpet into focus a whole lot better, right? When you, you realize you can't rely on the valves for anything. yeah. And so I, I included it in uh in trumpet ensemble. And of course, everybody, it's a small studio. So everybody had to play in that. Um, but I can see actually including that in lessons, just, just to help focus. And of course, you know, it's part of our history. So there's mm-hmm. a great opportunity to learn, not just the repertoire, but articulation, right? And
1: uh, definitely style, talent,
0: style, right? Yeah. So yeah,
1: everything's a little bit swung. You
0: don't Although want to you hear somebody like Josh Cohen uh, play and it's like, that's just not fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he sounds so good on, on that. And, and there's so many great players at natural trumpet these days. So I hear a dog in the background.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. What, I'm so what like- kind is it? We think she's a a mix of a lab and a Rottweiler. She's a cutie, but um, she likes to bark at a leaf, could fly by the door, and she's going to bark at it. And it's, I don't know why. I don't know what she's, I think something's happening down there that's got her all riled up.
0: So, what's it like practicing there? Does she dig it?
1: I think uh, she's downstairs. I'm upstairs. (laughs) So that helps. Uh, Yeah. I have a cat, Lulu, and she's now accustomed to the trumpet. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah. Um, I, I tell you, um I, and I I mean this, I say this to everybody. When you're through Indianapolis the next time, or maybe when I come through Dallas, right? I I I'm gonna buy you a cup of coffee or another beverage uh, Deal. of your choice.
1: Let's 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 talk let's trade some Donnie Van Doren stories and
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know what, I may, I may, uh, if I can find that pink jacket, I might put a picture on uh, social media in the oh, next please. few days. Oh, right, please. Right. So, you know people what? might appreciate that. Right,
1: right. Are you part of the Star uh, Alumni Facebook page? Yeah. 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 You know people will love that.
0: So. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I put, I found a whole bunch of pictures from, you know, 85, 6, and 7. Right, right. And I scanned them and put them up there recently, you know, of That's course. Right. Everybody just I mean, and a lot of more people have been doing that, and it's great to relive that and and realize we survived that, <laughs> yeah
1: I, I can't believe Josh Talbot was eighty five all the way up to ninety three and he was one of the pink elephants, correct, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, nobody will ever let him forget that, so. oh no um well, this has been fun, yeah, I. And I appreciate the time change. Uh, That was completely my fault. I had a a gig that I did not realize there's no way I was going to make it home in time.
1: You know, Uh, sometimes
0: you look at the calendar and it was...
1: You think it's possible. We do so much. We we always think it's it's possible.
0: We can do it. Yeah. So anyways, I appreciate the flexibility on that. So, um, hey, congrats on finishing your third year. Uh, at UNT, congrats on uh, two recording sessions. I cannot wait to hear uh, the the, re, the end product from these. So you'll have to make sure that uh, you let me know, and uh, of course I'll share it on my social media when that happens.
1: Great, um, yeah, definitely.
0: And uh, you know, can't wait to. And also the the repertoire, right? I want to make sure that uh, you know people know where to find that when it comes out too. So oh, sure, yes. Um, anything else you want to share while we're here? Any, uh, maybe I almost said famous last words. This is not a last words kind of, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, gems of, uh, knowledge or anything like that.
1: Well, I think, uh, we all had kind of like a tough year. I would, I'm, you know, speculating, but, um, I think, you know, I'm really looking forward to coming back, um, to audiences, live performances, seeing my students, not twenty feet away, but a little bit closer, and without a mask. And let's—I um, just, I just say, be kind to each other this summer. Let's let's mm. rejuvenate, and, and um, I think we have a lot of—we've learned a lot as we can. Um, but going back to
0: normalcy in, in the fall. Yeah, I agree. Be kind. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, have a have a great summer. Um, you too. And and I hope it's not. Uh, you know, IWBC before we cross paths, but if it is, um, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, so let me let me sign off here. And of course, I'm gonna give thanks again to Austin Custom Brass for sponsoring June's uh, lineup. And let me find here, I don't know if I can find it. I'll just tell everybody, of course, next week is Jen Morata, and I'm gonna have her perform all 150 uh, <laughs> art of phrasing. Um, isn't that impressive? What a oh, great service she, that is, too. She's to awesome. Prepare. It's like uh Hokon with uh, the Charlier, right? What an absolutely great resource wow. for all that.
1: Yeah, I'm saving them all on my YouTube Time I, too. I made a channel for it. Yeah.
0: yeah, great resource for students. Yeah, oh, and for me, too. I mean, I've, I've actually uh, gotten into some Charliers that I wouldn't have before, because now it's like, oh, you mean I can do it that way, right? <laughs> because some of the tempos are not, anyways. Oh. Um, so yeah, Jen Murata next week, uh, Sarah Stoneback uh, the week after that's the 15th, James Morrison the 22nd and Chris Coletti on the 29th. Uh, and of course, uh, Raquel, Rachel, thank you so much for kicking uh, kicking this month off. And uh, Austin Custom Brass, again, austincustombrass.biz. Trent, thank you so much for your support. And uh, we will see everybody hopefully next time around. And okay, so hang loose.